Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, July 7th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Web3 decentralized computing with Flux and KDA Bet. Let's take a listen. I want to start out by uh, thanking everybody for jumping on this space today. Uh, super, super exciting for me. Um, this is another one of our kind of labs showcases where I, for the very first time, got to sit down with the K- KD. Uh, bet team, KDA bet team, and and really kind of look at you know their project and what they were doing, and wow, was I blown away! Uh, the guys are really on top of it, and I'm looking forward today in this space to really get down to the meat and potatoes, not only of what is what are they doing, but how they look to use Flux as well to kind of leverage that. So if we want to do like real quick introductions, I am Daniel Keller. I am the co-founder and chief strategy officer for Flux and for Zelcor been in the space for quite a while and uh, look forward to chatting with you guys super duncan you can go first if you like sure sounds good um hey everyone thanks for joining and, and dan thanks for having us on uh, my name is duncan i am one of the founding partners at kda bet uh, i've been in the let's say digital asset space since about 2015 i'm actually a lawyer by trade um, dealing with the intersection of gaming digital assets and obviously their relation to existing laws uh, regardless of all our, our opinions on them. Um, but I've been uh, part of the, the community for quite some time. Uh, I'll let Stephen introduce himself, and then I've got a little story on how we actually got to the KDA bet uh, idea. Super. Uh, yeah, so I'm Stephen. Uh, you all know me from Twitter probably, and if you don't, I'm a quantitative trader in sports, uh, have been for the past 15 years, uh, one of the best, uh, particularly in MLB uh, trading in sports. Uh, Dabble a bit in NBA as well and uh, other things like NFL. Uh, we run one of the largest brokerages in America, myself and uh, Joey Tunes, uh, who's our partner in our in our company. And I'm a kind of a quantitative machine learning guy. So that's my trade um, in terms of my degree. And, you know, I, I kind of, I just basically trade all day in sports and we're trying to bring um, the idea of trading at scale on an exchange to web three instead of web two where everything is smashed and broken and doesn't work for traders we get banned all day and limited canceled out we're not allowed to trade winners aren't welcome and uh, that's why we're here on cadena and flux to build something special for this community yeah and i gotta tell you i did a little after our first conversation together you kind of are infamous in the sports betting world i have to tell you so it was it was pretty impressive, and I got a real deep lesson in in sports betting and and kind of whole the 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 backbone that runs it all, which was really fantastic. I, I left that I left that meeting pretty energized. Duncan, you were going to share a story there. 
Yeah, of course. Um, so I actually met Steve back in, and Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, about 2015. Yeah. Uh, I was a co-founder of a company called Fans Unite, uh, which back then we were trying to build the world's first decentralized betting protocol. And Steve was one of the visionaries uh, at Fans Unite behind the, the thesis. So we were ready to, to build everything out. We set up a, a subsidiary in Gibraltar, had backing from the Gibraltar Securities Commission that what we were doing is onside. And again, remember, this is back in 2015. And we were ready to launch a token sale to kind of power our vision back then. And what we did uh, was we were limited to only building on the Ethereum chain, uh, which we all know now is a little bit slow uh, for the the massive transactions that we're planning. And also the transaction fees are way too high. Uh, so we actually ended up pulling the plug, but the vision that we had back then of building kind of a decentralized betting protocol never left. So Steve has uh, always had this marinating in the back of his mind, uh, along with a thousand other great ideas. And he gave me a call a few months ago and he said, look, I think I figured out how we can actually build this. Uh, so when he offered the opportunity, then I jumped at it. Uh, this is just one of the most exciting projects I could imagine being a part of. Yeah, that's that's a really good insight there. And, and, I, and I think I, I was highly impressed by the thought. I can't believe you guys are saying that Ethereum wasn't scalable and the transaction fees were too high. I don't know what <laughs> world you live in. <laughs> But that's kind of what makes this uh, a unique pairing because you guys are leveraging KDA for the on-chain. You're going to leverage Flux for running your infrastructure. Um, so why don't we do this? Why don't we expand a little bit about exactly what the project is and what it's looking to do and accomplish? And then I think we'll get down in the weeds a little bit on the infrastructure side as well. Okay, well, I'll explain a little bit about the protocol and then Duncan can give a little bit of business background um, on that matter. So I can explain technically kind of what the idea of the protocol is. And it kind of boils down to this issue in Web2 where people who provide the critical data, which prices odds, are completely ripped off in Web2, particularly on a place called Betfair, one of the largest sports betting companies in existence on Betfair. When you win money, 60% of it is completely robbed from your winnings. So 60 cents on the dollar is gone. So what company can just take 60 cents on the dollar? Uh, and then, wow. then you're taxed on top of that by the government, don't forget. And so you can believe, uh, you know, you can see that margins are extremely slim for sports bettors who are betting in an exchange type system, not a bookmaker type system, but an exchange type system, uh, kind of like KuCoin or anything else. And basically you're robbed completely. And what they do is they actually front run you on top of that. So what front running is, is say, you know, we're betting, you know, $50,000, $75,000 a side, a lot more in NFL even. And when we bet those amounts and we put them on the exchange, what the people who do, the venture capitalists and Web2 infrastructure, the shareholders who own that exchange do, is they have a sports book on the side. And what they do is they funnel their recreational players, which are, you know, these, these are players who generally probably won't win long-term in sports betting, but they enjoy betting and they enjoy sometimes winning getting lucky and all that stuff, they're all funneled to the sports book and they're not allowed to match up on the exchange side. What they do is they take our limit orders, which are put on the exchange, and then they say, oh, okay, these are Joey and Steve. These are smart bettors. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. We'll take their odds. We know we know the right side of the bet and we'll take the other side. So they just take, take the recreational customers and leave us with nothing. And so now we're at a point where 
all of the market makers in the world are, are infuriated with Betfair and the other exchanges, and there's nowhere to go because VC need to make their money. Uh, it's not that VC are bad, they just need to make money, right? And so the idea is that we want to create a decentralized version of this on our protocol. And our protocol rewards sports bettors for their data. That is, we like Flux have a token where you mine the token. Um, you know, a mine, So mining is by providing your bets. It's called bet mining. It's a very popular uh, type of protocol in Web3. You can find it on Polygon and Solana. When they mine that token, what they're doing is they're providing their data. And if your data is a net benefit to the exchange, that is, it helps make prices, it, it's good data, what we do is we emit tokens to those people who do that. So what that does is it makes them provide liquidity to the network, often and early, and they're competing over it because they want to match those bets and mine that token, uh, the good betters and market makers. So what we're doing is creating a system which incentivizes those market makers to come often come come often and come large with their liquidity and make sure that we can match our bets up with them and that we have a healthy economy where recreational bettors and market makers are respected instead of just the shareholder and web two. Well, I'll tell you what, I've heard about some serious uh, ripoffs. I mean, being in the crypto space, you, you definitely hear some of them, but boy, I'll tell you, that's probably one of the worst deals I've ever heard. So I, I think it's I think this is a very unique concept because you guys are kind of doing what, you know, and Flux works on proof of use of work. Uh, different pieces on the on the platform are, are already in that stage, like our node structure. But you guys are actually kind of taking that that useful work and idea and you kind of parlaying into what you do as well. So if you provi provide data, you're getting incentivized uh, with 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 the token, which is sounds to me like it's 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 kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Hey, guys, I just want to expand a little bit on the idea of providing data um, because it's, it's not necessarily providing scores. Uh, the way I always explain this is if somebody is a well-known, uh, let's say, person in the stock market, like let's use Warren Buffett. If Warren Buffett buys a stock, then what happens is other people follow on invest with him and the price rises. So his data is valuable. On the sports betting side, it's the exact same. Steve, as he said, is one of the top baseball bettors in the world. If he places a bet on any sports book uh, like DraftKings or a betting exchange like Betfair, then Betfair and DraftKings will react to Steve's data because Steve is one of the top bettors in the world. So if he places a bet, then they shift the price down and they limit the amount uh, of money that Steve can actually put down. So that's where Steve's data is valuable, and that's where all the value gets sucked up uh, by the existing incumbents. And that's why KDA Bet is a, uh, the, the necessary alternative, so that Steve's actually rewarded for bringing the massive volume that he brings. Uh, and when we talk about volume, I just want to be clear, we're not talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about hundreds of millions, billions of dollars, and that's what we have in our network uh, that we can place on, on games any given year. Well, do me a favor and expand on that because the concept of you know market makers isn't isn't necessarily unusual for anybody that's in the crypto space or really in the standard stock market. But how does that how do those market makers really kind of play into the grand scheme of what you guys are doing? Yeah, so Steve, I'll I'll let you run with that one. Yeah, okay, and then just just uh, add in if you feel I'm missing anything. So, question is is how do the market makers factor in? Well, let's think about the relationship between recreationals and market makers. Um, it has to be healthy, okay? So if you bleed 
recreational betters dry and you know you don't reward them anything they can get rewarded on this protocol too dan they can come on and you know if you're a little guy and you win a bet and your data is efficient you can still mine it it's not just market makers anyone can everyone's a market maker on an exchange in in some respect just once some are small and some aren't but in terms of market makers i think you mean larger betters and so what we need to do is instead of having a centralized host where Perhaps, you know, the people who own the centralized infrastructure just kind of control the entire market. And then other market makers can kind of come on and maybe bet, but they get front run. Instead, what we're trying to do is we're trying to decentralize the complete market maker function. Um, That is, you know, we're going to bring ourselves on. We're fairly large market makers. We have a few others in England that we uh, noted on the Mata podcast, Ryan Mata podcast. So, you know, we're talking to several people who are in order of nine figures to, you know, maybe just under a billion dollars. There's not too many billion dollar matches, um, uh, total volume matches in the world. There's just a few, but there's a lot of us who are in the nine figure range. And so we want to decentralize that. And when we kind of get on and when we get our beta out, we'll have five or six of these people on kind of covering all the sports. And what that means is that no one market maker alone can accrue the token and control the entire board. Um, and this token is a governance token. Let me make that clear. So the idea is this emission is not static. That is, you know, 90% goes to market makers, 10 goes to Rex. It's actually dynamic. And that is the people who hold the token, including recreational betters and KDA B token holders, they might not even bet. They might just be into crypto. What they can do is they can vote on where that distribution should go. Should more go to recreational players? Should more go to market makers? And every month we're going to have a vote where we can kind of shift that left or right if you if you think of it that way. And the idea is that you know if market makers are taking too much and recreational betters aren't getting a benefit for their data, um, then you know it might be healthy to reward recreational betters more so that we're always optimizing toward maximum network growth. That's what creates more transactions for Flux, more transactions for Cadena, a better token price. It's always respecting, um, I guess, how capital should flow, how that token emission should flow between skilled betters and not so skilled betters so that we can always go toward maximum network growth. That's the idea behind our protocol. So essentially, it's almost like a DAO that really kind of gives a voice to anyone participating in the ecosystem, which is which is unbelievably unique i i like that idea yeah basically solving what web2 won't refuses to because they're just so they're they're about profits and that's it they're not about the long-term health of a community of betters who are decentralized so in terms of your question we decentralize the market making function uh, amongst probably uh, several dozen large-scale betting syndicates well, that and that was very uh, a very telling conversation we had about that because I I had no idea that there was market makers and sports betting and things like that. So it was it was highly educational for me as I was listening to it. And then you know one of the things that I want to ask and what we need, what I'd really like to touch on is what what really obviously you said you know you had scaling issues in 2015 and Ethereum wasn't uh, going to do it. So what what made you gravitate toward KDA and the KDA community? Oh, yeah, great one. Um, so in, in terms of technology, so Duncan, maybe I can cover tech and then you can cover the kind of the cool things about Cadena, like NFTs and uh, and such. But I'll handle the tech um, if you don't mind. So Cadena is extremely 
unique in terms of its L1 um, and its programmatic choices. So it has made choices which basically speak to the things that market makers want in sports betting. That is safety of transaction. So they use an underlying programmatic language called Haskell. And it's probably the most safest language that you can use for smart contracts because it's a declarative language instead of an imperative language. Um, so we really like the choices that um, the founders of Cadena made in terms of basically uh, going for uh, security. I mean, they saw this thing called the trilemma, which is a security and uh, transactional speed and, and cheapness of the gas, I believe. And we really liked it for the fact that, you know, it was protecting a lot of uh, holes that we would find in Solidity and, and Solana where it's insecure because it's an imperative language. Um, it, you can run into bugs. And with us, with a when you're running a big betting company and you have large scale market makers, um, $100 million they're putting on every three months, if you get hacked or drained or wallets get drained because you wrote a bad smart contract, your company is over overnight. You're done. And so we needed Cadena. And oh, Duncan is asking, requesting for um, speaker again. I guess he got. Yeah, I went ahead and gave him that. Sorry. Boy, we, we've we really seen uh, in the past several months what uh, bad coding and security vulnerabilities can, can, can yield. I mean, we've really seen some interesting hacks. And it sounds like you guys really focused in on the security of the platform as well as scale, which is important. Yeah, and the scale comes through um, Curl, which is their hybrid blockchain. So not only do you have a public scalable blockchain um, with multi-chain capability, but you also have a private blockchain, which is very, very important for sports bettors. Let me explain this why. Um, so when you're transacting, you need to have a private blockchain in the sense that, you know, when you're putting your orders in, in a limit order book, if people can see your transactions publicly on a public chain, they will not want to trade there, period, because they can get front run. So I think Cadena was very, very unique to us because they had the public and the private option. And then we can spin up Curo. And Curo has this wonderful um, attribute where you can actually scale up your transactions because there are no miners on it, clogging everything up. I mean, we love our miners. Okay, we love you all, but you know, <laughs> we need lots of TPS in sports betting. So Curo was very, very important for us. And when we looked at it, we saw that they built this beautiful BTF raft or BFT raft algorithm. It's just this wonderful piece of code they wrote in, in Haskell. And we can use it to spin up a bunch of nodes probably on flex servers, which is great. And then we can get, you know, a thousand private nodes going there and a lot of transactions flowing in and out because, you know, they're in and out of thousands of daily markets, which are 24 seven all day long, never stops. And, you know, some people can be betting with bots, you know, so imagine that you have, you know, flex servers with our APIs set up on it, and then they're just flooding these, um, you know, packed module tables with all these transactions, maybe like a hundred a second. So we need a lot of throughput to deal with uh, all of the demand that these large scale market makers do. And they're not doing this by hand, right? They don't come on and press green button go. <laughs> they come on and they're using sophisticated bots written in things like Elixir or um, C++ and they're coming on and slamming these APIs. So they, they highly desire a strong Docker-based system with APIs that uh, are quick to respond and have resiliency. And 
redundancy. And so that's why we like flux a lot. Yeah. And it makes sense. And you actually scared the hell out of me when you started telling me the demand for these uh, servers, uh, you, you were clearly kind of preparing me for the onslaught and I like it. Um, <laughs> and I took that, I took that to the team and I started sharing it with them and boy, you know, use case for us, it's a perfect alignment, I think, because of what you guys are doing and this at the scale that what you're doing it, but, but the speed at what you're doing it is what blows my mind. Um, and maybe if you can expand a little bit about some of the demands that are going to be used on those, you know, API dockers and just kind of uh, like you, you kind of expanded to me in terms of, of volume, like, you know, what, what is expected with, uh, uh, with those. Yeah. I'll hey, Steve, I'll, I'll, I'll get started here. Yeah. Um, so, so guys, first of all, one of our founding partners, his name is, is Joey Tunes. His Twitter handle is Joey Tunes too. I give him a follow. He's a really interesting guy, but the reason I bring him up is him uh, along with Steve, they probably do about a quarter billion in volume a year alone in wagers. Uh, now you have to remember the sports betting world is dynamic markets. So they may be placing wagers on the same side or different sides of a given baseball game, uh, depending on how the prices change as other participants start flooding the market as well. So this is a very transactional heavy uh, industry that we're focused on. The other major component we have is we all have very good reputations in the gaming industry. Myself, I've been in it for 15 years, uh, but what that means is we've got networks that have real volume uh, as the same size as Steve and Joey or, or even bigger. So we're going to bring real volume to uh, the KDA bet protocol. The other thing I want to add in which I didn't bring up earlier is I'm actually CEO of a gaming software provider called Lion Gaming. Now, Lion Gaming focuses on a smart contract-based sportsbook and casino software that we license out to other operators. We also have a big Web3 focus. The reason I bring this up is because we have 55 brands across our portfolio, and we're going to accept the KDAB token uh, as a transactional layer on all of our brands. So what that means is we're going to bring real volume on day one, just simply through the Lion Gaming ecosystem, uh, but when we add in then Steve and, and Joey's connections and, and some of my connections, this thing's going to have volume the day we launch it. Yeah. And then just to, just to riff off that, Duncan, so the, in terms of what, how that creates demand for Flux nodes. So, I mean, let's speak directly to Flux because that's, that's why we're here. So, I mean, the idea is that there's probably three types of, of node-based demand, Dan, where First of, first of all, you basically have the matching engine itself. So those are private Curo nodes. And so we hope to you know, earn, earn that right to use uh, Curo Alpha version, I suppose, where, where I think Will Martino said it could scale up to about 1,000 nodes before it starts degradating in speed, or, or de degrading in speed, I guess is the right way to say that. So there's 1,000 nodes right there, and, and those are high-volume high nodes. Um, they're not like KDA nodes. They're... Your dockers, which will be taking, you know, many, many thousands TPS per second. And so you can imagine the, the compute that we'll need on that. Um, and then, you know, we might even have to spread that out over multiple node clusters as well, depending on how big we actually get. So, you know, we're thinking about bringing major esports brand on pretty soon, and that can get pretty hairy in terms of volume. So you can think clusters of nodes just on private blockchain alone. But then we have to run all of our Dockers for ChainWeb as well, all right? So we're running all of our smart contracts on Dockers and interacting um, using the Pact 
language. And so, you know, and Duncan, what can you can kind of chime in after I'm done and speak to the oracles, but the oracles have to be able to um, use these flux nodes and basically provide huge streams of data to resolve all of these bets and 21,000 concurrent markets. Um, well, not concurrent all year long because, you know, parts of the year are baseball, parts are NFL, but there's, you know, 21,000 different types of fixtures that are popular that we have to cover. So you can just imagine the amount of just chain web nodes that we have to run. It's going to be thousands. You know, we have to run this at scale. But then, you know, probably probably the kicker for Flux, like where the where the big money is and where I'm really, really excited about Flux is the, you know, hopefully, Dan, you can tell us a little more about this, is the GPU-based uh, node structure. So if you got a big GPU, you got a 3030 um, sitting in your, in your house and you want to run a node, that's where KDA Bet needs you. Because what we do behind the scenes is we run massive machine learning rigs on our on our private servers. And, you know, we would rather distribute that and decentralize that. And what we have to do to make the odds is we run these massive stacks of machine learning algorithms. So we can run, you know, a few hundred models concurrently sitting on a single node, but to cover 21,000 markets, oh boy, uh, we need a lot of compute. And we use AWS and it's just, ultra expensive and they don't respect our price sensitivity at all. And so imagine- yeah, and that ends up being a challenge anyway, because you guys need, uh, you really need redundancy and you need uh, quality uptimes as well. And sometimes yeah. that can be a real challenge on, you know, AWS or web two based infrastructure. Especially with their GPUs, I- right. Which is poor. Um, I'm not, I'm, I love a, you know, I love Amazon, great company, but it's poor. And so, I'm really, really excited, Dan, about your GPU push and these, what do you call them? The Tiger nodes? I forget what the... Uh, so we have Titan nodes, which are, which are the, that's releasing here within the next week or two. Um, and we're already kind of opening that up to beta. And that's more around infrastructure, high-end infrastructure. Um, but, but where I see this really coming into play is if, if anyone's listening and they know Flux, they've heard me talk a lot about proof of use of work and our, our what we call our Cirrus nodes, which is our new node class that's going to be built specifically around the ability to deploy GPUs, FPGAs, uh, Jets and Nanos. So, you know, really around AI and edge compute. And I'll tell you this as we are we're already in the process of kind of discerning different projects that we want to bring in as we move to proof of use of work which allows you to basically take compute resources that are already being using used on the flux network for transactional validation and for consensus mechanisms to then be kind of parlayed over to uh useful work just like this this is the perfect example of what proof of useful work will look like once we're to the point where we can start to deploy those in a marketplace, because you guys will be able to actually go out and rent these GPUs, very high quality, high end GPUs, and be able to put a, uh, be able to reward those individuals back for the for the compute resources that they're using. So yeah. this is this anyone that's in the in and around the flux space. Um, I've had a million questions asked to me uh, in terms of like what projects would you really like to see. Um, kind of pioneer and kind of launch off proof of use of work. And you guys are it. I mean, you know, you're on the list because we believe that this is a perfect example of where we can really kind of hone that relationship between KDA and between and, and, and Flux as well. So, you, you know, you're you're born and you're you're developed on KDA, but you're running on Flux for your computational needs. And I, I think that's a big deal. And I think you guys were very forward thinking because you guys actually kind of kind of approached us about it and kicked the tires, which is which was really nice. Yeah, well, you're kind of famous in web 
I think you're kind of Web3 Dark Knight, we call you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that, but yeah. yeah. I, I was just thinking I need to come up with a betting name. You got Joey Tunes and all this stuff. I don't know. So if anybody's got a good suggestion for a for a betting name for me, I'll let me know because I am totally checking this platform out when it goes live because this is this is going to be a lot of fun. For real. And, and just one note on GPU and then I'll maybe Duncan chime in about um, Oracle data as well for Sport Radar and how big that is. But uh, just one last thing on GPU. It's not buying credits for half an hour of compute here or there for us. It's a 24-7 constant price updating that has to be concurrent and popping once a second you know so we're basically if you provide us with the gpu we will burn you out (laughs) but we'll pay you for burning you out so you know that's that's the idea here in sports betting it's not something that is um intermittent it's constant stream of compute demand which never ends and a good uh, case study is to look at bet 365 the biggest sports betting company in the world when they switched to erlang elixir and the, the amount of compute that they had to deal with brought their entire system to the floor. Um, and that's 15 years ago when the market was one quarter the size it is now and America's just opening up. And so just imagine um, how much demand we need to on, on the GPU front just to cover ourselves in terms of making odds. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the demand is continuing to increase uh, all across the board. So uh, one of and you know, I like to ask uh, interesting questions. So one of the one of the questions that I'm thinking about is, you know, regulatory compliance. What does this look like in you know different jurisdictions? And is that the great part of of the platform that's really kind of decentralized and there's really no governing authority? But what what does that look like, at least from your your guys' standpoint? Hey Dan, that's that's a great question. So. All of us who are part of the KDA Bet founding team, like I said, we've been in the gaming industry for quite some time. Um, we've seen a lot of very interesting projects crop up that want to abide by a fully decentralized approach, a zero KYC, and basically just assume that they're outside of governance. Uh, the reality is, is that no one who is wagering large volumes, uh, the style of which we're bringing to the KDA Bet protocol, is going to wager Uh, on these fully decentralized projects where there is no governance. And the rationale behind it is you just can't trust them. Um, So what we're doing at KDA Bet is a little bit different. Uh, We will obtain gaming licenses and we will operate in jurisdictions where we're allowed to operate. But when we see demand cropping up, and and let's use um, France or, or Spain or Italy as an example, when we see demand cropping up, then we'll apply for gaming licenses in those jurisdictions and we'll abide by regulations. That way, not only are we looked at as more trustworthy for the big volume bettors uh, who we want to bring to the protocol, but also we're ensuring that we're compliant with gambling laws worldwide. So that's the KDA bet official stance. Um, from a tokenization perspective, uh, I've, I've been a part of numerous projects uh, and had to navigate those tricky waters and like i said uh, the legal background helps there uh, but again we're going to ensure we're compliant every step of the way that's very forward thinking and and actually i'm sitting here listening to this thinking about how this could end up playing into uh flux and what we've recently launched with our geolocations as well to be able to deploy infrastructure in specific ge- geographical regions and a lot of people ask you know well why is that important this is a perfect example of why 
being able to be regulatory compliant, but still remain in a decentralized infrastructure is unbelievably important. And you guys are showcasing that, that's for sure. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, sorry, Steve, I just want to touch on something there because Dan brought up a really interesting point. Um, so the reality is, is many jurisdictions, they have different nuances in their gambling regulations. The state of Arizona, for example, requires that all wagers are processed within the state, that only participants from within that state can participate, and that all bets are fully uh, computed within that state. So that's from the initial deposit to bet make uh, to the bet payout. It all has to be within state. So if we can actually get flux uh, nodes who are within Arizona processing those wagers. I mean, that allows us to apply for game licenses and jurisdictions with heavy regulatory environments like that. Now, Maltese gaming license, for example, uh, gives you access to 90% of the world. And there, it doesn't really matter where the, the computational power comes from. And could you speak to geofencing just to answer Dan's problem or or not Dan's problem, Dan's point there, Duncan, like explain what geofencing is and KYC geofencing is? For sure. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, so again, it, it depends on what gambling jurisdiction you have a license from. But if you have one from the state of Arizona, then only participants who are within the state borders will be able to uh, let's say, interact with that subdomain that, that's targeting the Arizona audience. And that means that platform will actually be geofenced, which means no one with an IP address outside of Arizona will be able to participate. That's what geofencing means. It's basically just IP blocking. From a regulatory perspective, they also require that all wagers are processed in state. So that's why a flux geolocation capacity would really come in handy there. That being said, our initial uh, plan will be to obtain licenses from, uh, let's say, more global jurisdictions like Malta, where we can have access to 90% of the world. So again, we'll geofence out uh, jurisdictions where we're not allowed to accept wagers from. So the, that means those IPs will be blocked. But once we see there's significant demand from those jurisdictions, we'll simply go through the application process and obtain gaming licenses there as well. Yeah, and I think there's, we need to put some emphasis, and you guys maybe can expand on this a little bit more, but I think we need to put some emphasis around because one of the questions that comes up quite regularly is, you know, why why are, why are do you use a decentralized platform? And I think you guys have showcased why, because essentially it's, it's, it's a necessity uh, for this level, but also have regulatory compliance built into that as well. And that's, honestly, that's what Flux was thinking about as we started to build out these geofencing and these geolocations for, for Flux nodes, um, is to allow people to participate in these different ecosystems and remain regulatory compliant. So um, I know we're all kind of cypherpunks at heart in the sense that we think decentralization, we think, you know, complete anonymity uh, to, to do whatever the hell you want, whenever you want to do it. And I think that um, in reality, to get us to the next level in Web3 is we have to become very comfortable with understanding that th there is going to be this symbiotic relationship between Web2 and Web3 as we move forward. And there is going to be a symbiotic relationship between decentralization and regulation. So I think I think this is a perfect example. If, if, if anyone's listening to this for the very first time and they're really kind of hearing about what geofencing and geolocations are, uh, I would dig into it a little bit more because I think it's super important. I think that's where we are going. Um, as, a, as an industry to, to, to start bridging those gaps. And I think it's really exciting. Yeah, Dan, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, the reality is, is if we took the, the cyberpunk approach, which we'd all prefer uh, and have complete anon anonymity, 
I hate when people say that word because I can never say it. Um, <laughs> the issue is that you're just not going to get access to all the capital you really want uh, to utilize your project and grow it to uh, the heights that you want it to. We can't get the guys uh, who are betting nine nine figures to use our project if we can't be taken seriously, if they know that the governments aren't going to uh, cause headaches every once in a while. So we have to take an approach that, like you said, is symbi symbiotic and respectful uh, of ongoing regulatory oversight, but also embracing uh, the best parts that we can of, of what it means to be on the crypto punk side of things. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's and I cypherpunk. Cypherpunk, yeah. Is this cypherpunk? Um, okay. <laughs> cypherpunk. But that, uh, you know, in reality, I think we all have, you know, that ethos that we want to see things change. We know there are, there are there's there's issues and vulnerabilities in the current Web2 infrastructure that just can't change without removing the stakeholders that are currently kind of manipulating that back end, like you guys were alluding to earlier. And I think that this is this is a great way to showcase exactly where I think we're moving in Web3, because Web3 kind of gets it's a kind of a catchphrase for everything nowadays, whether it's NFTs or DeFi or, uh, you know, metaverse or whatever it is. No, no, that, that's not it. I think the real Web3 is the infrastructure play, the back end that's going to run it all. And the projects that are going to develop on it with both a focus on, um, you know, uh, decentralization, but also, you know, regulatory compliance as well. So I think and I think that is it, that is. And the cypherpunk in me always hates to hates to say that, but in reality, that's how we get to the next iteration of this technology. And I think it's that's super important. Yeah, one one note on that too. Also, Web five. Don't forget about Web five. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, if you think of it, different industries have different reg regulatory, I, I suppose, pressure put upon them. And sports betting is probably the most regulated. I mean, aside from Goldman Sachs coming on to Cadena and Flux, we are probably the second most highly regulated um, business in the entire world, um, pretty much in, in terms of uh, volume. So if you think about that, you know, we, we have to respect not only Flux, but also Cadena as well, and not bring a project which can embarrass both both Cadena and yourself, right? If we bring a project that gets rugged by the government or has legal problems and people buy into our token or, you know, Flex users are, you know, hosting our nodes, but then a, the government cuts them off because New York uh, AG gets, you know, gets a little bit miffed about, you know, this random pirate betting firm that thinks they can skirt skirt the laws. You know, you know, they can come in and cut off your nodes just like that. And so, to build a worldwide company, we're going for worldwide, not for local crypto random company. We want to build a worldwide brand on the order of Betfair. Our tagline is literally reimagining Betfair in the Web3 world. And that's what we want to do. And to do that, um, when you do have a highly regulatory business like this, you must respect what the governments do or you will bring embarrassment to the partners that you work with. And that's what we're totally going to avoid, 100% reliance uh, or 100 percent regulatory um compliances our ethos on our website and that's what we adhere to not 99.999 percent but 100 and we have to be that way and then there's other companies which you know like nft companies or or you know loan companies and they're not so so regulatory uh, they don't have such a regulatory burden let's say so i think the cypher punk ethos can apply in web three, but it just depends on the type of business that you're bringing. And we're bringing like this bricks and mortar business, the only one in Kadena pretty much. Um, and we're bringing... 
Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's the kind of yin and yang. You have to give and take a little bit as you develop these things out because, uh, and, and I, I think anybody on this uh, AMA right now would understand why I was so hyped about Kitty Abet because you can tell just by the way that you, you're talking, the importance of building relationships and not only, you, you know, uh, your reputation, but the reputation of the folks that you build on top of is like paramount. And we haven't had that in the crypto ecosystems, right? We've seen what happened with Terra Luna. We've seen what's happened with other projects that fell. Uh, I mean, we lost Voyager, we lost, you know, uh, Celsius, we lost all these different platforms who are really kind of, when you get down to brass tacks, I would argue they were probably doing things that were well outside their scope. And 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 really, honestly, they end up taking down the partners that they, they've worked so hard and the infrastructure they worked so hard to build. So I think it's very forward thinking for you all to look at that and say, hey, how do we, how do we not only build out our infrastructure, but also uh, push the Web3 initiative and and kind of, yeah, decentralization. And I mean, that is cypherpunk at heart. So it it probably is not as, as deep as what most would like in terms of, you know, privacy and anonymity. But um, but it's definitely, I think, a step in the right direction. And you guys are, are doing a hell of a job with it. So I just want to throw out real quick. I got a couple more questions that I'm going to throw out. And if anyone wants to ask a question. Go ahead and raise your hand now. I'll unmute you. Uh, just keep yourself on mute for a second, and uh, we'll make sure you get your question answered. So, and I and I'm I'm also taking questions in the Flux uh, Discord. If you have questions in there, if anybody's in there, also on Twitter as well. So, if anybody wants to throw anything out, so guys, I, I, the the one of the last questions I had was specifically around you know, you know your uh, your raise and and how do how do I participate. In this ecosystem, because that would be, I, I think a lot of people are listening to this for the very first time, and that's the question that they're asking. Steve, why don't why don't I take this one? Um, so, Dan, yeah, I mean, we're we're still working out the details of that, and to be honest with you, it, it's not our utmost priority. Uh, ours is is actually building, uh, and we want to launch our our product as soon as possible. So Steve and his team have been, uh, I, I'm surprised he's awake and on this call, he's been working so hard building. Um, so that really is our focus. We want this to not only have uh, the UI UX, the, the user experience uh, that we love uh, in all other products, uh, but also that it has the backbone infrastructure to actually process all the transactions that we're going to bring to the network. Now for the actual token sale, look, we're, we're still working out the details of it. Our hope is that it's uh, towards Q3 or Q4 later this year. Yeah, and that's and again another forward thinking. I'm not trying to toot you guys' horns, but this is this is important because I think I think uh, any team that is more worried about the actual fundamental underpinnings of the project, the development of the project, uh, Flux did that. I mean, we we didn't start our marketing and PR uh, push for about three, almost three and a half years till we really got 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 out there and got in front of people. And I think that's important because you don't hear a lot of projects talking about uh, the essential part of, of of building the project, not just the minimal viable project, right? Not, we're not talking MVPs. We're talking we're talking fully developed ecosystems, and that, so hats off to you guys on that as well. Okay, and I I think we have a couple questions popping in here. So uh, I have uh, independent hip tosser, excellent name. So uh, you want to go ahead and ask your question? Why are you independent? For sure, for sure, Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, first thing, I've got a, a name for you, Dan, for your betting name. Just uh, you asked before. Uh, I've got a name called Web Three Raft King. 
<laughs> I love it. Adopted, man. I'm taking it. Get on the raft, you know, get on the Web3 raft, that sort of thing, you know? So. Yep, got it. It's mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess the question was um, to uh, Stephen and you guys. Um, I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about um, in-play betting and the um, where Kuro and uh, Kidena kind of fits within um, in-play betting. Um, as I know, a lot of wagers, of course, uh, do a lot of their money, uh, get a lot of their profits, including myself, from in-play. I wondered if you could talk about Curo and that sort of stuff, and including like things like geolocation, maybe too, possibly. Sure, that's easy, easy to answer. So, um, you know, in-play betting is no different than pre pre-game betting. It's just simply limit order book, and you're taking in orders at a certain price and matching it up. Uh, the challenge with in-play betting is definitely creating odds. Uh, it's far, far more intense to create odds uh, with a machine learning algorithm, for instance, in in-play betting, because the data is flying. Uh, however, maybe, Duncan, you can speak a little bit to our data relationships, uh, maybe uh, with respect to Sport Radar, since we can't say our other one at this point in time. But uh... <laughs> No, thanks. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, I just want to hark back a little bit to where this journey started. So when we were at Fanginite with this original vision, uh, we had the vision of basically decentralizing uh, data provision. And that was the big, let's say, uh, hook for the Fanzunite protocol as imagined back then. The issue is, is it's just too slow having individuals supply the data. Uh, it wouldn't work for live betting, for example, because we wouldn't know if there was a, a corner kick in, in football, soccer, or a, a bunt in, in baseball, or, or an error. Uh, the data just wouldn't be provided fast enough. So we're working very closely, uh, thanks to my past relationships with a company called Sport Radar, uh, who is basically one of a duopoly in data provision in sports. So that allows us to have access to the data we need as, as, as close to real time as possible. And that allows us to actually be able to have accurate uh, data provision so that in-play betting, uh, we call it live betting in North America, uh, can actually happen on the KDA bet side of things. Yeah, and then just to, just to finish that off in terms of Kuro, so the the amount of TPS that you require for in play is about as big as pregame. Actually, a little bit bigger now. I think it, it comprises about sixty percent of all transactionality in sports betting. So in play betting it will be a major driver um, for you know flux node holders. These node holders who need to get paid flux tokens to run computes. Uh, of course, in-play is, is massive for us. We will be focusing first uh, hip tosser on pre-game first uh, because it's the easiest to pull off and, and the one that people are, you know, have a lot of pain about in terms of Web2, uh, Web2 markets. But with in-play, you're going to need that to hedge out your bets and stuff. So we'll be looking very carefully at that and notifying our community. You know, come on our Telegram. You know, we're always there and ask us about it. And, you know, we'll be notifying you on that, but it's something that's definitely in our radar and we have the data capability to handle. I think we can all agree that Hip Tosser has the coolest uh, name uh, on, <laughs> on Twitter right now. So I'll just throw that out there as well. All right. So I got uh, Hyper Spaceman, Hyper Pack Spaceman. Go ahead and ask your question if you can, please. Hey, uh, can you hear me? Yep, hear you just fine. Yeah, okay. I have a question for the Flux team. KDMB uh, team is KDMB team is that like they are uh, very ambitious, uh, ambitious about their uh, project. Like what they are trying to build is 
there are a lot of stuff like they are very uh, volume based uh, model in terms of uh, betting application in uh, blockchain so i want to know that like uh, uh, if these flags already handled a similar type of uh, uh, projects in past or like how you guys are planning to handle uh, the volume they are going to bring like you you guys are already partner with them just uh, outsider opinion i'm asking yeah that's a great question so uh, if i if i can distill that down basically what you're saying is is flux ready to handle the volume that's going to be pump their, their way in terms of their infrastructure. And the answer to that question is yes, we've built this uh, with the, the intentions to, to bring projects just like this to the platform and allow them to scale at their own speed. So um, the good thing about Flux is really Flux can scale on demand. We have the ability to, to you know, increase node infrastructure as many people have seen with our last happening where we went from you know, the better part of a couple thousand nodes to almost, uh, I think we're almost close to 12,500 nodes today. So. The, the the ability for us to scale on demand is there, uh, and and we really kind of address scaling at the beginning to make sure that that projects like this that came on board they could get exactly what they needed to. So I I think you're going to see exponential growth in these areas, and I think Flux will be right there uh, every step of the way. So yeah, and and also you grow with price as well. So if we if there's demand, and suddenly there's you know five thousand node demand just appears overnight, price goes up. We must buy Flux to use Flux, and so I think that should be stated as well. With yeah, I mean, we really, we really thought a lot. We didn't create some other gas model that you know, you know, powers the powers the back end. It's it's Flux. It's all about Flux, and I, that's the way it should be. Because if you really are a utility based asset, if you really are you know doing things the right way, you're understanding that you have to intertwine all of your infrastructure, all of your ecosystem back to the primary asset. And that's what Flux, that's what the awesome part of Flux is. So I got, to, we got time for one more question, guys. It's about, we've been on here for about 50 minutes. Uh, if anyone wants to ask one more question, if not, I have one that I'm going to pull here uh, at the end. So we'll give like one second, two seconds, three seconds, anyone? Okay. So I got a good question here. And this is coming from the Discord from uh, Schmock. Uh, it's, and I'm asking Steven, owning one King NFT will matter in the sense of winning some percent of the bets, or you need to be a better to actively participate in the platform. Sorry, what's the question? Sorry, say that again. <laughs> owning one and one King NFT. Well, first of all, let's just do this. Let's abbreviate it. Tell us about the King NFTs, because I because I'm curious about that as well. What what yeah. what what value do they bring to the, to to the, to the users? Okay, so pardon Discord friend, uh, please ask it a little more succinctly so I understand. But the King NFT is uh, an NFT we created to merge the concerns of crypto investors with uh, our platform. We're building our token so that the concerns are for sports bettors who want to come on and use a crypto-based token to solve problems in Web 2 that they, that they can't solve, so they have to come to Web 3. So there's no thing like, you know, staking with us where you hold the token and get paid, you know, 8,000% APY or something like that. It just doesn't exist with us because the value in, the value in betting on us um, is that you think we're going to build the network out uh, and that our token uh, structure is, is well suited to build a, a sports betting network. So that's why you would buy the token. But sometimes that's just not enough for an investor. They want to de-risk their token investment. And so we created this thing called the Cadena King, which is an NFT, upgradable NFT, will be made on Marmalade on Cadena. 
and what that NFT does essentially is it gives you a passive income. So, you know, in bets, what we do is when we match bets up on our, on our exchange, you tax the bet slightly. So it's going to be something like two, two and a half percent. So, you know, Dan, you win a hundred dollars, you get 97.5 back or something like that. And then that 2.5%, which is about half of what it is in web two goes into a pool and it sits there in the DAO or something like that. And then what happens is that if you have a Kadena King, you're one of the few who supported us early and you were there before anyone else, or you take part in the IDO um, with our IDO partner, which we will announce shortly, uh, you will be able to mint a Kadena King for $150. Now that Kadena King allows you to use that King to access part of our smart contract and unlock rewards that are emitted to you from the tax pool. So instead of going to VC or centralized shareholders, pardon my beeping there, but uh, instead of going to those centralized shareholders, that tax goes to basically the Kadena King holders. And, and that's the value of it. Now, the Kadena King will come with a few other benefits like bet pooling. So, you know, if Joey Fortuna is our partner is betting and, you know, he's great, you can actually use your King's power to give him some tokens and make him bet for you. So you can take some risk with the big guys if you want. Or- that, this is fantastic because you know, anyone that's listened to this knows I'm not a super huge fan of non-fungible tokens, you know, NFTs. Uh, this really gives a use case to NFTs, which is yeah. which is blowing my mind, which is great. Simple. It's the uh, simple as pie. So a lot of NFTs can't explain what they even do. But with us, it's so simple. Tax the bet, earn a tax, just like a king would tax. Oh, I won't say peasant. Maybe that's a bad word, but you know, <laughs> we <laughs> but get you're taxing it. the betting <laughs> network, right? You may not care about betting and you don't care about it and you don't get APOI with us, but what you might get is passive income off the betting network that you invested in. So any IDO investor who, who KYCs and invests will get to mint a king and that king gives you passive income. Uh, we, we are estimating about 1900 to 2000 a year in the first year. Uh, and we'll do a mint price of 150. So that's probably that's looking awesome. to be 10, 10 to 14x or something like that. That's what we're aiming for. Don't quote us on that, though. <laughs> I never quote, and I, I, I'm always learning. So you guys, uh, thank, thanks for coming out to this today. I, this was really an eye-opener for in a lot of different ways. Do you guys want to share a little bit of information so people are listening now, if they do have additional questions, where they can find you and where they can chat about it? Yeah, we're always online for it all the time. So come on Twitter at Kadena Bet, at Kadena Bet, uh, K-A-D-E-N-A Bet. We're always there and we're very active. We most like to talk to people on Telegram. So come to our Telegram. Uh, that's just in our bio on Twitter. You can just go there and, and click the link. We're super, super, super active on Telegram and we love to chat with our people there uh, basically 16 hours a day. So just come on and talk to us. We will have a Discord next month for the Discordians who love their Discord. But generally, just come talk to us on Telegram. We're always there, and we all, we just love people, love to chat, love to build community. That's awesome. And I definitely will be in that de- Discord community because I like Discord. So if you want to learn more about Flux, it's runonflux.io. You can follow us on Twitter at, at runonflux. We also have Discord. Telegram, which is, you know, Telegram's always a little sketchy, so I recommend heading over to... Uh, 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 Discord to, to to really learn about the project, and then you can also follow me personally at at 
DAK underscore flux. Um, and you can listen to my rants from time to time about particular things. So guys, I really appreciate you jumping on today. Uh, community, I really appreciate you guys showing up and uh, we look forward to doing another one of these real soon. Super. Thanks for having us, Dan. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks everyone. everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Flux and KDA Bet chatting about Web3 decentralized computing and new Web3 possibilities. Recorded on Thursday, July 7th, 2022. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. Diving through the forest, looking for the door to the portal. Said it'll take me down a corridor. I'm ignoring the warning, storing importance. The cord looks sourced from ancient coordinates. Smells like musty mutants, trust me. I've been hunting bugs since the leaves started rustling. I must be getting close, yo, the scene is disgusting. Parasitic mutation, bleaching off the country. Grab a couple samples and defy their custody. Feeding gamma rays to the beast at peak velocity. Mutating awesomely. Pre-Sato wanna me, taking all the scraps and feed them to the lottery. Always evolving to defy the possibly These are the things that will scream irresponsibly Feeling uneasy, these genes get them off of me I don't mean to trip it, am I mutating properly? We are the mutants We are the mutants We are the mutants We are the mutants Unlock the lab, it's time to do this Breathing getting heavy, I can feel it in my arms, but I can't stop now. Mutation. It's an art form, don't be alarmed. If you see me looking odd when I'm out on the farm, spinning crop circles in your yard, reaching the stars, need a way to get across. Got this little mutation, lets me hack key cards. Seen looking like it came out the first three saws, flexing like Rex when I mutate the precop. Leaders trying to research this genetic seesaw. Give me all the science and we'll leave you with the pre slaw. Riders believe they bleed these endorsements, turning scientists into terrorist supporters. Gotta seize the spoils and release the spores. It's time to forage through DNA lore. So sink it a swim, silly Alice, take the pill and see we're all mad here, taking over your facility. We are the mutants. We are the mutants. We are the mutants. We are the mutants. Unlock the lab, it's time to do this. We are the mutants. We are the mutants. We are the mutants. Unlock the lab, it's time to do this. Terror spaces.